Well, good morning again. Uh, this morning we're in Isaiah chapter 40, and we're looking at verses 27 to 31. And before I read our text this morning, I just want to make a point and just uh, point out for you that the entire chapter uh, 40 of Isaiah is really a rhetorical argument that God makes for why his people should rely and trust on him and that he will keep his promises and that he is a covenant God. He doesn't change what he said he will do and he will make sure that it happens. Uh, and it seemed like a long time coming. And in chapter 40, it starts off and it says, Comfort my people, comfort ye my people. The Lord is saying through Isaiah. When I hear those words, I think of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, Come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. I think that's what he said. And he invites us to come and to find that rest and strengthen him. And it's, it's words of comfort. And it's a transitional chapter in Isaiah, chapter 40, where the previous 39 have dealt with a lot of the sufferings of God's people, a result of their rebellion towards God. And now in chapter 40, God is reminding them of the plan he has to deliver them and to set them back to that place as his people and to restore them to their rightful place of worship and take them back home. So in verse 27 of Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible says, and God says through the prophet Isaiah, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Very familiar words for those of us who are Christians and followers of Jesus. But let me just ask you a question and point something out. It's not uncommon to read a verse of Scripture or to be challenged with a verse of Scripture and yet say something to the effect of this. Yes, I agree in principle to what this verse or command says, but you don't, you just don't comprehend and you don't understand my particular, even my unique situation that I'm in. My situation is different. You just don't understand. Someone once said that people tend to make rules for others and exceptions for themselves. We've all been there. We've done that, right? And isn't that the truth? We make exceptions for ourselves because in our mind, our situation is unique. Or maybe it's worse. Or maybe, it, well, it needs more grace. So, and you just don't understand. So I'll bend it a little bit and I'll make an exception. In our text, God's people begin to question their theological belief in God after decades 
of captivity in Babylon because of their insistence in doing things their way and not God's way. You may not be physically in captivity, although I suppose there's an analogy, and a very good one actually, with the current health situation we find ourselves in, but there is practical, relevant application that is broad to various situations you may find yourself in today. Does this sound familiar? Lord, you don't understand my situation. My way seems to be hidden from you, God. My situation totally escapes your notice. Have you ever questioned God's omniscience and his ability to act in history, much less in your own life? It's during these questions, when we raise these questions, and even in times of doubts, that the prophet Isaiah comes with a word from God. And in verse 28, he asks, in the midst of this whole rhetorical argument, he asks two rhetorical questions, which he expected to be answered in the affirmative. Yes. First, he asks, don't you know? Surely you're not ignorant. Your forefathers told you, so you know. And then he follows with the second. Haven't you heard? Surely you have heard from priests and prophets regarding Israel's belief about God and his mighty acts on their behalf. You know and you've heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. The prophet Isaiah Here's the moans, the whines, the complaints, the, the troubles that are being, well, expressed verbally by God's people. And he says, let me offer you a word from God to your situation right now. I want to remind and encourage you with a few truths this morning. First notice in verse 28 that at the center of your situation is our unchanging God. Everything that is happening around us, no matter what it feels, looks, tastes, smells like, God is still unchanging. Remember, take notice of this. Remember who God is. Isaiah says that he is the everlasting God. Even though he is concealed from space and time, time and space are not hidden from him. He knows what is happening in space and time. What you are going through is not hidden from the Lord. He will always be the everlasting God. Yes, he sees and knows all the time, but he will always be the everlasting God. That's the essence of what it means to be everlasting without beginning or end. But whatever you are going through, has a beginning. Think about this. Whatever you are going through, it has a beginning and an end. It will have an end. He is Jehovah, the Lord, meaning even though concealed from space and time, He is there for you right now. He will be present, leading the way, helping, strengthening, and yes, even liberating you from whatever you feel captive to. Whatever you're going through, remember that the Lord is present 
with you. He is the creator of all the limits, of all the boundaries of the earth, and therefore he's the creator of everything in between those boundaries. The extremes and all that's in between. God is maker and the controller of them all. So whatever your situation, whether it be extreme or mild today, God is in control. He's everlasting, but because he's everlasting, always present and creator, we must be reminded also that God is incapable of fatigue and exhaustion or collapsing and fainting. That's not possible with God. And why? Fainting is just simply not part of God's nature. God does not flee from anybody or anything. He does not get tired of loving, caring, delivering, saving, healing, restoring, preserving and sustaining the world and his church, his people. See, weariness is not a part of God's nature. At this point, you must look forward just briefly to verse 30 to see a contrast between who God is in his nature and who humanity is, his people. See, we get tired. We have limitations. And Isaiah illustrates this by the young men and the youth wearing out. What a contrast. The everlasting God standing next to a young youth who is vibrant in energy and strength. And God doesn't wear out, but the young energetic youth get weary and tired and even faint. What a contrast. Remember, God does not run away from us or our situations. Our problems do not scare him. They never scare him. He is never weary of helping us. And we can't tire him out with all of our problems. I love that about God. For he's the everlasting God, the Lord and the creator of the universe and all that we see. The ends of the earth. Not only do we have to remember the person of God, but remember how God operates. Look what Isaiah says. There is no searching of his understanding. You can't fathom his ways. There is no possibility. There is no way that you can penetrate God's intelligence to examine it. There's no way to measure his IQ. Therefore, it's impossible to figure out why he does what he does. At least not all the time. Verse 14 in the New Living Translation, I love how it phrases this in verse 14. There's a question here. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good or best? I don't think so. God knows it all and he does all things well. As verse 29 declares, we can't figure out why he increases the ability to accomplish many things to those who have no ability to exert themselves to even accomplish one thing. But that's the way God operates. I don't know how or why he does it, but he does. He gives supernatural ability to the fatigued and increases the ability to accomplish many things to those who have no ability or strength or stamina to accomplish even one thing. Remember who God is and the way 
that he operates. And take courage and confidence and be encouraged by that. The second thing, major thing you need to notice in our text that is that in our difficulty, we need to do the unexpected. Something that is so unconventional, especially in our world today. And it's found in verse 31. And it's one word. It can either be hope or wait, depending on which translation of the Bible you're reading. But I'll clarify that in just a moment. But let's just take the word wait. Wait on the Lord. Those who wait will renew their strength. One word. It's hard to do. Because we run around trying to fix our situations. And some realize that those situations, not all, but some do realize and come to terms, that those situations are simply out of our control. To hope strongly, to trust, to wait for, it implies, this word in our context here, implies a firmness and a constantly, where it's, you're always there, you're standing there, and you're going to stay there, and you're fixed on that. And the definition, I think, that best defines it, is to expect. And I don't think I'm doing a disservice to God's Word. It means to expect those who expect the Lord to renew their strength. And I'll clarify that in a moment as well. It carries the idea, this idea of waiting and hoping, of expectancy. Putting my hope and confidence and trust in Him with an expectancy, a certainty, a fixed expectancy that He is going to respond. That He's going to move. And here in Isaiah, it is referring to the Israelites who are in captivity in Babylon with no prospect of deliverance, humanly speaking. And yet they had a fixed expectancy that their God, at just the right time in His plan, would deliver them. I could say, personally, as a Christian and somebody who believes that Jesus is coming one day, I could say this. I'm waiting for the return of Christ. Now, I am not saying that I wish it will happen. But I'm not quite sure that it will. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I am waiting with a sure expectancy that this event is going to happen. Really, biblically, that's what hope is. That I know it's going to happen in my heart of hearts. So when Isaiah says, wait, he is referring to a sure expectancy. It's active. You know, sometimes we think that when the Bible tells us to wait on the Lord or to wait to renew our strength, as Isaiah tells us here from God's own mouth, it's, it, we think it's just a passive thing. But waiting on the Lord is active. You know, it's just like, think, I thought about this, but it's just like a farmer. Now, you might have a thousand acre farm and you just look out onto your thousand acre field and you just expect a crop to crop up and to grow. It doesn't work that way. You got to plow, right? You got to plant and, well, you got to protect so you got to keep maintain it and keep it and keep things out that might uh, hurt the, the crop. you got to do some work. You're still you're waiting for that crop to come, but you're active in your waiting. You know it's coming. 
I'll give you another example. It's a little different, and the analogy isn't perfect, as most analogies aren't. But I remember the excitement that I had when both of my boys, my wife was pregnant with Preston and Cohen, and especially with my first, Preston. And I remember being, and I knew that I was going to see that boy one day. I just knew. But I remember going, and I had no idea. I had this expectation. And I knew that it was real. I knew it was going to happen. How? Because I remember literally putting my face up against Sharon's belly and feeling Preston kick my cheek. I knew he was there. I could feel him. And I was expecting and I was sure that he was going to come one day and join me live on this earth face to face. I knew it was going to happen. Do you know what else I got to see? I got to see ultrasounds. I got to see, it wasn't Preston, but it was an image of Preston. And you know what's so amazing when we have this expectancy that God's help, that his strength will come when we wait on him? It's like looking into that sonogram or that ultrasound. And we see that image. It's live. It's happening. And it's a picture of what the word of God is. And it tells us over and over the word of God that we should wait, that we should hope, that God is faithful, that his promises will unfold, they will come true, he will keep them, because we will see him face to face one day. In fact, it says in one of the in the in the epistles in the New Testament, it says there that even though we don't see him, we, we are filled with joy and we love him so much, even though we don't see him, because we know that one day we will. And we have this hope and we wait and we are expecting him. And it gives us strength in the process of knowing we will see him face to face. And while I was waiting for Preston to be born and Cohen to be born, we did the right things to prepare. We had to buy a crib. We had to buy baby stuff. We bought boxes of diapers, all that good stuff. But then that day came. And we saw, and our joy was just so overwhelming. And the same happens when we expect, and we have this sure expectancy when we look into the Word of God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to touch us, and we, if I could say, we feel God, we know that He's touching us and He's with us. And we look into the ultrasound of God's Word, and we can see God's activity, and it's being mirrored by what He said would happen all around us. And we have this sure expectation that his help and that his strength is coming for us and on our behalf. So the question is, what is this sure expectancy in? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the Lord to renew our strength. And then we will gain new strength. We will get new strength. We will exchange it ultimately. Renew to ch- means to change or to pass from one state to another. I'm tired. Or if you want to make another analogy, you have the rechargeable batteries. It's void of any energy. You plug it in and it gets renewed. It's a renewable source of energy. It gets filled up again. And yes, it does wear out again, but it keeps getting filled up as long as it's connected to the charger. One commentary says that to renew their strength is literally changed strength. As one might change into fresh clothes or exchange an old thing for a new thing. And what Isaiah truly means here for the word is that we are to exchange our strength. And so it would read something like this, quite literally. 
They shall exchange strength. You will and can exchange strength. And so, what would be the next logical question? Whose strength is exchanged for whose? Here's the simple answer. My strength is exchanged for his strength. It's not talking about increasing my strength. And that's why maybe the word gain in your translation isn't the best. Or it's not about building my strength back up. And maybe that's why I'm not totally okay with the word renew. For even if I am at full capacity, I'm still weak compared to God and what He wants me to do. And I still can't live supernaturally if I simply build up or renew my strength, and especially on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. But what Isaiah is talking about is exchanging my strength for his strength. And so we could translate this verse up to this point like this. Yet those who with sure expectancy look to the Lord will have their strength exchanged for his strength. I'll read that again. Think about it. Yet those who with sure expectancy look to the Lord will have their strength exchanged for his strength. Listen to the results of having my strength or your strength exchanged for his strength. There are three metaphors. The first one, the one metaphor speaks of overcoming a natural impossibility, that of flying. Have you ever tried doing that and taking off? It doesn't work. It's a natural impossibility. But it speaks of something that can happen in those moments when you need it in your journey, in your walk with Jesus through this life here on earth, where something supernatural has to happen, where something seems to be impossible and you need to do it. And it's a picture that God can make you soar like an eagle. It's impossible, but God makes it happen. It's not you. It's God's strength. The other two metaphors speak of overcoming two natural weaknesses. That of running and not getting tired, and that of walking and not becoming weary. Those are impossible things. Because you can run, but my capacity, my limit might be two miles and I'll probably collapse because I'll have no more air in my lungs and my muscles will just cramp up. Yours might be a whole marathon, but you have a limitation. You will you will get tired. You will get weary. And the other one is of walking. Same thing. I may be able to walk for a whole day straight, but I will. There will be an end to my energy and strength of walking. And I think it's an amazing thing. It's, it's like this climax because the, the first one only happens so often in our journey where we have these supernatural things, where events in our lives, where God gives us wings to get through them or to fly above them or supernatural strength and then you have this running and we do more running than we do flying even in the spiritual in our journey sometimes we got to run away from the enemy run away from those things that are temptations and sometimes we got to run hard and long because they keep chasing us but God gives us energy to keep running away but our journey 
is not about this run. Well, it is a run, but it's more of a walk. Remember, it's not a sprint, the Christian experience in this journey. It's a marathon. And sometimes we get tired and we walk, but we don't stop. And so you keep going and God empowers you and enables you to go all the way to the finish line. And it might seem impossible in the, in the physical to do this. And even in the spiritual, but God can give you the strength you need when you exchange yours for His. There are all sorts of impossible situations that we face. Whether it's loving other people or accepting each other, even though we're different. Whether it's not getting angry or frustrated over a situation or how the virtual learning is going on with our students and our kids at home. And all the whining of how they're bored and it seems impossible. I can't make it through this day. Maybe it's a person, someone else in your life, or it's your children. Whether it's something even more deep like dying to yourself in some way as a follower of Jesus as he invites us to do. Or maybe it's just having an attitude of submission or giving up my rights. Yes, that's hard to say, but giving up my rights so that I might reflect Jesus the way he wants me to. We might face, and we do face, many impossible and very difficult situations. Impossible in terms of living according to God's way. But I remind you, as we exchange our strength for his strength, it will be as A.W. Tozer says, that we will switch from our little human battery to the infinite power of God. Now that is, that is an uneven exchange, but I'll take it. I will take it every day. And I ask God, and I pray for you too, that you would make that exchange with a simple submission and faith in Jesus, in His Son who died for your sins. And as I come to a close this morning, you may feel, you may think, you might be complaining that you're invisible to God. Or that because of past decisions and sins, you're not even worthy to be noticed by God. Kind of like what God pointed out in the first verse of our text through the prophet. But God asks you, this morning he asks you, wherever you are right now, don't you know? Haven't you heard? And I know that there are some of you right now, I'm speaking to you, that at some point in your life, your grandparents, your parents, your pastor, and even your, some of your peers told you about how awesome, how amazing, how loving, how forgiving, how caring, how sustaining, and how providing God is, the one true God is. Do you remember that? Don't you remember that? But you've become fatigued. Or you've even gotten to the point of fainting in your faith maybe this morning. Because you're looking around at what's happening in our world. Or you're looking around and even deep into your heart and saying, God, you can't really see me because, man, I'm just not worth it. God says, no, I see you and I know all along. And I'm calling you back. And I'm calling you by simple faith to just 
Acknowledge that your strength is insufficient, so exchange it for mine. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Have you exchanged your strength for His strength, which enables you to live in a supernatural way? It starts in a very simple way. By simply believing that God sees and knows you. And then you have a firm expectancy that God will empower you today by His Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning you're listening and you've never asked this God who loves you so much to be a part of your life. In other words, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life because He's the one that makes it possible for you, for me, to have a relationship with Him. I simply ask you to confess that your strength is insufficient, that your perception of what is good is far below the amazing and high standard of God's perfection, and acknowledge that you're a sinner. I have to do that. We all, even if you're a Christian, acknowledge. I'm a sinner, and that sin saps all my strength, and it fatigues me, and it wears me out, and it causes me to get to a point where I'm even fainting, and I don't even have belief. God simply says, acknowledge that to me. Come to me, submit, surrender your life, and exchange your strength for my strength. He'll forgive you, he'll wash you, He'll energize you and He'll supernaturally charge you up to live life the way He wants you to. Amen? Let's bow our heads, if you're home, wherever you are, and let's pray as we seek the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning in Isaiah chapter 40. Thank You for the reminder through this, these rhetorical questions, Lord. That, Lord, we know, we are aware, and even all of creation in, in, the, in the middle portion of Isaiah 40 reminds us of how great you are and how awesome you are and that nothing is hidden from you. So I pray, Lord, today that you would strengthen us. And I pray that you would give courage to those, wherever they are right now, Lord, who are fatigued, who are weary, who are even fainting in their faith that you would allow them by the help of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to submit themselves to you, to ask your Holy Spirit to fill them, to come in and to empower them to live life and to walk this journey all the way to the end in your strength and not theirs. Lord, I pray for those who have never asked you to be the Lord and Savior. Speak to their hearts and may they give it all up to have your strength to have your forgiveness and to gain eternal life, that they might know and that we might all know intimately and personally that you're the everlasting God who sees, who notices, who cares, and who delivers. Thank you, Jesus, for your promises. We love you. We give you our day. And Lord, lastly, we just pray, God, for all of our leaders. We pray for all the, 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 the medical uh, uh, experts, Lord Jesus, and those in the world who are working on the front lines, Lord Jesus, today. We pray you protect them and give them wisdom. Give our leadership and our officials wisdom. And Lord, I pray, God, they would look to you and trust you. They would wait on you 
so that our strength can be renewed. We love you, Jesus, and thank you that you are in control and that you'll get us through all our difficulties. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Amen.